Hi, everyone. Hi there. This is Holly. And Daniel. And you are listening to Halfway Saints. Um, we hope that you guys are doing well and that you're safe and healthy. And um, we know that these past few weeks have been especially difficult. They've been especially difficult for us. And and to see such injustice is really painful for all of us. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think it's important for all of us to know that we've been doing what we've been doing during this time is to is to pray for peace, pray for openness of hearts, um, to kind of search ourselves to see what we can do better, how we can help those around us and how we can um, just build up the kingdom of God and build up Jesus's kingdom here on earth in our own families and our own, own neighborhoods and throughout our country and to bring the gospel to life in each of our lives. And so that's really kind of what we've been focused on, focusing on and reflecting on and we'll continue to do so, you know, hopefully throughout the rest of our lives, but especially, you know, within the next coming weeks and months that um, that's something we've really committed to, to holding in our hearts and to Mm -hmm. kind of contemplating. Yeah. But a wonderful way for us to start that has been that we finally got to go to mass today. I know for the first time in about three months, right? Because it was March something when they. It was like middle March, middle of March. So it was a little less than three months. It was middle March. That's what I'm going to call that from now on. (laughs) Um, but it was so nice. It, and oh my gosh, I could not believe it. Our boys were so well behaved. I was so surprised. I like kept looking around at them like you're gonna you're gonna start like being maniacs, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they had they haven't worn masks except for one other time mm-hmm. during the whole quarantine because we haven't needed like we've kept the social distance. Um, and so I thought for sure they'd be messing with them. They'd be uncomfortable. They would hate it. They were like Jack was so excited to look like a ninja with yeah. his mask. He wore. He was like, "I'm gonna keep it on." After we left the church, he was like, "I'm gonna keep it on." I'm like, okay, whatever you want to do. He even made his little stuffed animal wear it too. I could not believe I, we were emotionally preparing ourselves for them to be total maniacs because we've been away from mass for so long. Yeah. But praise God, they were very well behaved. Yeah. And we went to the 7:30 a.m. mass, which may have been the difference. I think so. I think they're still coming off of their like, oh, I just woke up. I'm in a good mood. Yeah. Like they get breakfast right before, you know, they go to mass, we get a snack in them. Um, but they're good. The only thing is, so there's no music or singing. So it was very quiet. So like Isaac, his new thing is he, um, he runs around a lot. He just talks a lot and he just yells a lot. Like nonsense <laughs> words. He's a very loud child. Yeah. So he was kind of echoing through the church. But other than that, it was it was really great. And and we were talking at dinner and I, I was saying that I what I really loved or what I was really surprised by was it wasn't that different. I didn't yeah. feel like this is a totally strange, bizarre experience. Um, and I was kind of thinking, it's like, okay, so... Um, and I know different dioceses have different um, kind of uh, requirements and different um, what are the words parameters for how to mm-hmm. guidelines for how to celebrate mass. But um, as far as it was or for Philadelphia, it was no um, no singing. I don't know if that's across dioceses, but a lot of parishes said no singing, no canter, um, no holding hands during the Our Father. You have to f- sit six feet away from everybody else. You shouldn't congregate before mass or after mass. Um, and so I was like, okay, so we're we're not doing those things. There's no bad songs. There's no like <laughs> hymns that I don't want to listen to. 
you know, we're coming in, we're praying, we're celebrating mass and we're, you know, it's not like a social thing in the church. Like everybody's very conscious about going up to receive the Eucharist and they're <laughs> thinking about it. Like, should I receive the Eucharist? And I'm like, well, I think I, we did it right. <laughs> like if we made, we made mass more reverent somehow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was pleasantly surprised that it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that different. Yeah. I felt, I felt that same way. I, I do think that there is a place for music at mass. I know, I know. Yeah. I was being, I but was doing a shtick. I, <laughs> I just want to clarify for anyone who like, you know, is the music director for their I parish. Know. But we really don't need you. The show's no. it. <laughs> Daniel, you can't say that. I'm um, just kidding. I know, but I, I do appreciate a good song, but I don't appreciate it when it's really cheesy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was nice not to have that risk. <laughs> we really, I mean, the parishes we've been to have not been like, oh, I really don't like that song. So. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, it was great to go back. I think that the boys were also glad to be back. I think yeah. they were tired of our family prayer time on Sunday mornings. So, mm-hmm. Which we went through several different iterations and like mm-hmm. finally ended up with us like, let's just sit on the couch and read the Bible for 30 minutes. <laughs> like, and you guys. T- we had high hopes in it. <laughs> I mean, it started out well, but they just got tired of it. Yeah, and like the chairs and who would sit in what chair. And Jack wanted to put blankets all over all the chairs. And like a different blanket meant a different thing, which is really sweet. And like you could tell he really understands like, oh, why the, you know, the celebrant's chair is bigger than the deacon's chair yeah. or whatever. But it, yeah, when you're, when a five-year-old is organizing it, it's, it gets yeah. a little, a little muddy. It just gets hectic. And when the 18-month-old is trying to climb onto the blankets, mm-hmm. onto the slippery chairs... And then it, like, inevitably falls. It's just not, it's yeah, just not good. Touch the candles and... Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. So we're really happy that we can go to Mass <laughs> again. Um, we realize not everyone is able to do that in the, you know, in the United States. So, um, you know, for all those who still aren't able to, um, you know, please know you're in our prayers. And we understand how difficult a time that is. But it's, you know, this, there, you will be able to go to Mass again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really great when you get to <laughs> It's true though, um, and it is coming. The light is coming. There, mm-hmm. there will be a time. Even I've heard some parishes will have like just distribution of the Eucharist mm-hmm. um, after Mass or something like that for uh, families to come by in their cars or something. So, I think that parishes are becoming more and more creative. And I think it's really been there have been a lot of opportunities, and we kind of spoke about this in our pandemic episode. Um, that yeah, there's a very good opportunity opportunity to teach about the Eucharist Mm -hmm. and why it matters and like the fact that people are debating or upset about you know how you can receive the Eucharist and this and that like the fact that we're talking about this and that this is a a heated topic shows that this is this is important this Mm -hmm. matters this isn't Mm -hmm. something arbitrary I think that's a good thing overall you know there might be people have been going to mass for years and they're like, what's all the, like, why is everyone so concerned about this? Or now I have an opinion about it. So, um, and also the, the parish we went to, um, the priest mentioned, um, before mass that they were going to continue live streaming mass and that they're actually installing a permanent camera in the church to record it, Mm -hmm. which, you know, hadn't been done before. And so now this parish is going to have its mass available live streamed, whenever yeah. like all the time and it's really great because then you know people are gonna who may 
never have thought about going to church or have been away from the church can try it out. They can go and yeah. see kind of what it's all about. And I think that's a good thing. I think so too. Yeah. So I think it's like kind of kicked everyone into the 21st century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you got to get your uh, internet presence there. But it also points to that's not where it ends. Like this mm-hmm. is why it's so it's so important that it leads into a personal encounter, a face-to-face um, encounter with Jesus who is up there on the altar with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've touched on the luminous. The lu- no, the luminous is the only one we haven't done. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> we've way. Done, we've done the um, the glorious and the joyful. Shoot. <laughs> no, it's the other one. <laughs> I can't believe I got that wrong. Yeah. Um, so now we're going to talk about the Sorrowful Mysteries, which mm-hmm. um, these, I don't want to say these are my favorite. One, they're the ones I first memorized and knew which days okay. they were on. <laughs> so nice. kind of. Um, but also during Lent, which is, you know, for the past few years have, is when I've decided to pray the rosary every day. During Lent, you can always pray the Sorrowful Mysteries. Mm. So if you you know, don't know, don't know any of the other ones or you don't know what day it is. You can always pray the sorrowful ones. So I think these are probably the ones I would pray most often. Um, but they're also, for me, they kind of fit together nicely. I like kind of very clear organization, mm-hmm. you know, with these, yes, I wasn't like, Oh, why are these are sorrowful ones? Or why are they in this order? It's like, Oh, cause this is the chronological order of these things. And this is the you know most sorrowful thing that happened. Um, but through, through praying these, I, and this is, kind of just the great gift of everything in the church is you you go deeper into them and there's just a whole other thing locked inside them. Um, so the the Sorrowful Mysteries, Holly, what are the five Sorrowful Mysteries? The Agony in the Garden. Mm-hmm. Scourging of the, at the Pillar. Mm-hmm. Crowning of Thorns. Mm-hmm. Carrying of the Cross. Mm-hmm. Crucifixion. Nice. Five out of five. Got it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, really all of the elements of the passion, you know, not yeah. all the elements, but, you know, they're all within the passion of Jesus. Um, and it's, you know, I think this makes sense to most people. If you ask them kind of what's be, thinking of, you know, the life of Christ and kind of the life of the church, what is, what's the most saddest, sorrowful thing? It's like, oh, Jesus being crucified. You know, mm-hmm. we commemorate that in Lent and on Good Friday and the Triduum, like, that's kind of like front and center when you think of suffering and sorrow. Um, so it really, you know, these fit. <laughs> no one's trying to figure out why these are in here or where they are. Um, so Holly, what is sorrowful about these things? This isn't a trick question. This is a, <laughs> this is an easy question. <laughs> um, well, it's really sad because uh, Jesus is dying jesus is going through really painful experiences going up to the crucifixion so uh that sadness is very sorrowful Mm -hmm. yeah like that and that's kind of what you see on the surface like these are sorrowful because it's our lord's suffering and we feel sorrow for for him for like what he's been through through the loss of him kind of this terrible thing that happens to him causes sorrow because of our love for him and we, you know, to kind of have joy is to, you know, feel the the good or the benefit of that loved object. And so this is the opposite. It's the denial of good to that loved object. I can always relate to these mysteries through looking at all of these events through the eyes of Mary. Mm. 
because sometimes I get too much, like, I just jump to the end. And I'm like, but he rises again. Like, it's fine. Like, he's God. He knows what he's doing. Like, this is all really crappy, but, like, it's fine because he rises in, in the end. But then when I think about watching or, like, being Mary, watching her son go through this horrible punishment, this horrible um, weight of, like, bearing the cross and then this, like, totally humiliating death, you, I mean, I want to, like, jump out and stop it from happening. Mm. Like, I can't take the pain that that must feel. And, I mean, I'm a mom, so I can relate really well to that. <laughs> but um, I think that just calls to, like, what you were saying. Like, the loved object mm-hmm. is is dying. So Yeah, and I think that kind of meditation on that does bear a lot of fruit that we we really love Jesus. And we kind of, not only do we love him for what he does for us, we love him we love him and we desire sort of his good in these moments when he's in pain and especially thinking of it through Mary's eyes and his apostles eyes, like that's their friend. That's their, you know, for Mary, that's her son who is, you know, being murdered. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, being a parent that I cannot imagine how painful that would be to experience. Um, and I think kind of meditating on what Christ did for us and the pain he went through and all that suffering that he did, um, kind of for us is is really fruitful but something that and i'm not sure what kind of made me think about it differently um but kind of you know at one point i just shifted my focus from rather than kind of what what christ is going through for us in a physical way you know and that being the sorrow that he is being tortured and he's being crucified and we feel sorrow for that i started to look at it through Jesus's eyes and kind of what is the sorrow that he is feeling. Hmm. Um, and I think it's with that kind of view, you look through it's he's, his heart is breaking for kind of the whole world around him, you know, for those who are crucifying him for putting him to death for kind of, you know, he, his creation doing this to him. Um, and you know, if, if you kind of look at that view, looking back at the agony in the garden, it's, yes, he's saying, you know, this is a great trial I'm going to endure, but not my will, but the Father's will be done. But if you think about who he, the people he's thinking about in that time, he's, I think you could also meditate on, you know, the fact that the people that he's created and he loves and he knows dearly are going to do this to him. And they're going to bear the weight of that, of killing their creator. Yeah, I mean, you can think of it like he almost, he doesn't want to have them to have to do that. Like, yeah, let them choose another way. Mm-hmm. Let, the, let them not put themselves in this situation, kind of. Let them not make that decision. Because that is so sad. Well, it's, it's like, and let me just, disclaimer, we would never do this with our children. But if, um, you know, the only way to teach your, if, for whatever reason crazy circumstances the only way to teach your child not to touch the stove is to let him burn himself on a pan mm. and like you see it coming and you're like it had like There's he no has to way. do it like i've seen the future and he's gonna you know be killed in a fire unless i let this happen <laughs> like can you imagine how agonizing that is and how much oh, sorrow there is yeah. that like yeah he's gonna do that or he's gonna drop that pan on me maybe that's a better one that's a better one he's gonna drop that pan of boiling water on me and that's the only way that he's gonna learn not to touch the stove Yikes. and like he's gonna feel terrible about that you know that's gonna be a traumatic event for him but 
it I feel like you know that's where Jesus is in this moment. He knows that he's going to be crucified by these people. That is, you know, that's um, <laughs> the worst thing you could do. Yeah. You know, for for somebody's, um, you know, we're all children of God. For somebody's child to do that to their creator, yeah. um, and so like starting with that really shifted the focus of these mysteries. <sighs> and then if you, as you kind of go through it, the scourging, it's like. Yeah, your children are beating you, mm-hmm. like causing. So sad. Yeah, like, and that's the only way they're gonna learn. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredibly ex- a painful experience for them too. And not only the only way they'll be able to learn, but also the only way they'll be saved. Right. Like, yeah. The only ba- the only way for him to like make a true, lasting, eternal gift of himself. God, it's so sad. But it's also like his creation is the instrument of his death. Mm-hmm. I and keep his... coming... Sorry. Go ahead. I keep coming back to this line from that... Remember that song I love so much? So will I. A hundred billion times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time it came on, I would tell Daniel how much I liked it. But um, there's a line in it, and it says, On a hill you created, abandoned in darkness to die, I think. But on a hill you created always like kind of struck me like Mm -hmm. he created that hill he created the wood like the tree that that wood came from he created the people who are hurting him like all of this is from his own creation doing this to him i mean even to think that like he created the tree like and he knew that that tree would then be his cross and he knew all those like people when they were babies when they were children Mm. and like kind of the um who they were created to be and who, you know, um, and it just, it just gets worse as you go through it. Gosh, it so does. the crowning of thorns, like he ought to be crowned king. He ought to be the king in our hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the king of the universe. And at his coronation, it's people torturing him. You know, it's these that people. One, that one gets me the most, the crowning, mm-hmm. of, the, uh, crowning of the thorns. Um because it's so humiliating. It's a, it's, they're making a mockery of him. It's like you have no, like you have no idea. He's the king of the universe. Like, yeah. And thinking of it as children, like imagine if you saw your child really like bullying another child, like really um, treating them poorly, mocking them, spitting on them. Mm-hmm. You know, like how terrible would you feel as a parent? Yeah. And it's double <laughs> doubly bad for jesus because he's seeing his children do this and they're the ones he's doing mm-hmm. it to or he is the one they're doing it to and gosh i mean so much of this so much of these mysteries i can't not think about the events that are happening right now with mm-hmm. like george floyd and the um the countless men and women who have been treated so unfairly and how sad god must feel when he sees his children treating his other children like that yeah um and and just how sorry i mean truly sorrowful that is because we're every single one of us is created with the capacity to love and the capacity to be who we were created to be by god and yeah i think there's definite sorrow there and i think it's you know god is love um and we talk a lot about how like sorrow is a component of love mm-hmm. and a desire for good for that loved thing. And so when the good, you know, when good is not afforded that thing, like I, I mentioned earlier, then there's sorrow. So God is this, is love. So imagine kind of 
I don't know. It gets a little iffy saying God could be sad about something, but I think he definitely could feel sorrow. And the oh, immensity definitely. of his love would be proportionate to the immensity of his sorrow, too. Yeah. God could be sad because he wept he at, wept. La- okay. at Lazarus. All right. You're right. Yeah. We found one line of scripture to back us up, so we're golden. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, no. I'm just God can definitely be sad. But, um, no, I think that it's just calling to mind a lot of things, so I wanted to say that out loud. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I mean, I think it's... Uh, fitting that this is where we've landed at this point you know in history with the sorrowful mysteries you know it's it's fitting that we're talking about these right now um so going on to the the carrying of the cross which i appreciate that there's a distinction between carrying the cross and the crucifixion Mm -hmm. um and the for me the the him carrying the cross is like that's where the real weightiness is like he's literally bearing a burden and he's going uphill i forget where i read it it may have been in pope benedict's jesus of nazareth books where he's like you look at jerusalem or basically all of the passion is an uphill like literally an uphill climb oh man like from the garden up to calvary like he's going uphill the whole time um and that there's just something like so physical and visceral about like dragging a heavy wooden cross up a hill so that you can be killed on it. Mm. Um, but just seeing that, thinking about Jesus doing that and bearing that and understanding that, that burden, what it's caused by, it's caused by the sin of the world and it's caused by, you know, literally those soldiers who press that upon him and he, you know, he stumbles and he falls and it's it, for his physical body it is a heavy heavy toll that you know at times incapacitates him mm. um and just thinking about you know his his children imposing that upon him both physically and sort of spiritually with the weight of our sins i remember the first time that i did a um stations of the cross and we read through like the is it all the same does everyone do you, does everyone read the same prayers at the stations of the cross no different like booklets might have different reflections on each one well the one that i had was like really severe and it was like talking about how and it was like when i was newly catholic and it was like jesus it's my weight that you're carrying on the cross and like every single moment of the every single station of the passion was like it's my weight that you're carrying i did this to you i felt like it's my sin that you're bearing in some way or another and the carrying of the cross was the one that I was like, whoa, <laughs> because it's like, he's literally bearing it. He's like carrying it with him. And, um, as a new Catholic, I was like, this is like so intense. Mm-hmm. I feel so condemned right now. But <laughs> then I really rejoiced on Easter, <laughs> did its job really well. But, um, I really resonate or the carrying of the cross really re- resonates with me on that notion <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> um, but he's also getting towards the culmination of it of mm-hmm. you know um what we talked about with the agony like this is what's going to happen to me and he's like getting closer to it. it's almost like um my dad's a tile contractor and so during summers and breaks and stuff from school i would work with him and we'd always get up it felt like super early. We probably were getting up at like seven, but um, remember just being tired and not wanting to go like lift cement and tile boxes all day and just like being in the truck and being like, oh, we're getting close. Like I'm just gonna try to sleep. Like it's it's coming there and it's not you know, um, just that anticipation of like 
this thing that I've been concerned about, like it's coming, it's getting close. Yeah. Like it's right there, you know? Um, but just that it's, it's getting closer to that moment of where this is going to happen. Mm. Um, like that's that there's so much weight there. That's all I can yeah. say is like, it's so weighty. Ugh. I, I'm thinking about it. I think about going into an exam that I really am not prepared for. And yeah. Like, um, that's tiny compared to the cross, <laughs> but it's just a, yeah, I could feel that, that emotion, that mm-hmm. anxiety around something that's looming over you and that you're heading towards no matter what you do. Mm. Um, and that really speaks to the agony of the garden, but this carrying of the cross and yeah, he's close. Um, and then we get to the, the crucifixion where it's sort of the culmination of all of this. And he's nailed to a cross by people he loves and people he's created. And, you know, there, John is there and Mary's there and, um, there's other people there, but most of his closest friends and the people he loves when he's, you know, intimately when he's here on earth are gone. Peter has denied him. He's run away. And yeah, that bears, there's some sorrow there too. He loves Peter. He knows what Peter's going to do. He knows that Peter is going to be in pain when this happens. Like it, when it's, when he realizes what he's done. Yeah. In Judas. Yeah. You know, I'm like the ultimate betrayal. Like, yeah, I just think Jesus must have been so sad that Judas would like, and he knew it at the last supper but he still gave his body and blood. Mm-hmm. That always gets me. Yeah. Well, Jesus was never, you know, we know what happened in history with Judas, but that's not the only thing that could have happened, you know? I know. That stuff freaks me out. <laughs> Why? It's like an alternative time no, it's, stuff. I meant it as no one is beyond redemption. Even the person who sold out Jesus yeah. to, to his death, there's mercy is there for him too. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's so beautiful to look at Judas's, I mean, it's not beautiful to look at Judas's reaction to Jesus and knowing that he's Christ and his resurrection and Peter's realization of what mm-hmm. happened. Like Peter runs from his boat to go see Jesus and mm-hmm. he's like, I'm, he, you know, can't help but tell Jesus, I love you. I love you. But Judas runs away. I almost knocked over mm-hmm. my water. Um, Judas runs away and ultimately takes his own life. And I mean, that's what, I don't know, I, we can all relate to that, you know, to run to Jesus for forgiveness. That's all we need to do is to go back to God, go back to him and ask and just talk to him plainly about what happened. And he takes us no matter what. Yeah. I mean, in Judas's kind of final sin is, um, well, shoot, I just had it. Despair. Oh, yeah. He does not think that there's a way out of it. He does not think that he can be forgiven. He despairs in that. And that's sort of his final sin. It's not the betrayal of jesus no. it's, it's thinking that he can't be redeemed mm-hmm. um and so yeah jesus has all of this in his heart at this at this moment and you know he he calls out like forgive them father they know not what they do and i think it's easy to read that as like forgive them for i mean it is forgive them for you know killing me but it's also that like expression of the sorrow he's feeling mm-hmm. that it's not like hey this hurts it's like these people are hurting and they mm-hmm. will be hurting for what they're doing to me and my heart hurts for them. So forgive them, you know? And they don't, they do not understand the weight of what they're doing. Like, they have no way. If they knew that it was the king of the universe up on that cross, they wouldn't have done that. I like to think. Well, At least some of them. I mean, yeah. Who knows? But I like to think that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that if they knew, then they wouldn't have done that. And so 
Maybe not. I don't think so. I think I think there are plenty of people who know Jesus who choose, you know, to go against him. It's not I'm, you know, oh, I'm going to do this. It's like I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. I, yeah. This seems like the only way to do, to get through this. Yeah. So I think we, you know, the same thing happened to to Peter. Like he's he's there. He's with Jesus and he's like, "Okay, I'm on board." And then it, you know, it gets it's hard. It gets hard, and he's like, "I cannot do this. This is the only option I have." Yeah, um, you're right. But I think it's it's important to remember that Jesus is does feel sorry for that, and that he loves us and wants us back. You know, he wants yeah. to be close to us, and that's all. It's you know, I think some people have perception of you know relationship with Jesus being kind of like, "Oh, I need to be good for Jesus," where it's like Jesus is trying to love us, and he desperately wants to love us. And he's doing all he can. Not all, he is he is constantly reaching out to us. We need right. to turn to him to receive that love, but it's him chasing after us. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's not us trying to be good enough for Jesus. He's chasing after us, and we need to to turn around and run towards him. Yeah, um, and he's there with open arms. Mm-hmm. You know, he just is there to receive us. If oh, like we were talking to the boys about with receiving God's gift. Yeah. Being grateful. Yes. <laughs> We've been learning gratitude in our house for a lot of things. Oh, um, but I think it's, it's with that in mind, it's so beautiful that, that we call these sorrowful mysteries. Um, and I think when, when bad things happen, and we've had plenty of those in recent, um, in recent days, there's a tendency to be scared. There's a tendency to be angry um, and I don't think we're comfortable just being sorrowful. Mm-hmm. I think with, you know, what's happened with George Floyd and everything else going on and with the coronavirus and just all of the really terrible things that have happened this year, a lot of people get kind of scared and they get really, uh, they get really angry. And that mm-hmm. anger is kind of directed at somebody where I think kind of the proper response is sort of sorrow. And I think it's okay to be sorrowful and not to lash out in anger. Like it's okay to be, to feel sorrow for those who are hurt and those who feel they don't have a voice. It's okay to be sorrowful that, you know, your way of life has changed or loved ones have died. And it's okay to feel sorrowful because that, that shows your love for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it should be said too, that there is a, a requirement of repentance for the, in the subject of injustice currently. It, it is, we need to feel sorrowful, but then we also do need to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. So like the repentance is also necessary in, in that specific situation. Right. Where there's been a, a wrong done. Yes. And, and yeah, I meant more of like people just kind of being angry at everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. rather than I think they're, they are sorrowful and that turns to, to anger rather <laughs> than them reflecting on why, you know, their sorrow comes from loving. Mm-hmm. I think that we get very uncomfortable with the feeling of sorrow mm-hmm. and we do have that feeling that we need to do something about it. And that sometimes comes out as anger Yeah, where, um, I think we've seen a lot of evidence of where the anger can be turned into proper like repentance and action and so- like true sorrow, mm-hmm. um, turned for good. And there has been a lot of that, even though we right. might hear a lot about the stuff that isn't, but and, and, and anger is a reaction and emotion and Jesus got angry and it's mm-hmm. sort of, um, I guess more of what I'm saying is sort of properly order, ordering that right. and to understand, um, to give us time to feel sorrowful, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and to reflect on that and to allow, allow us to understand 
what's going on. I think one of the most, you know, beneficial things to happen to me is, you know, when we lost our baby Ren, is to really understand sorrow and where it comes from and how it works. And that really got me through that, knowing, like, the reason I feel so bad right now is because I love so much. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can remember that and to always bring it back to love, and even, I get it's true with anger too. The reason I'm so angry, <laughs> I get so angry at my children, <laughs> is because I love them so much and I want the best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I forget where who said it or what, but the, the opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really hate something, really angry, like it's because you care about what something in that situation. Right. Um, but if you don't care at all, that's really opposite of, of love. If you're not right. invested in it, then you're not going to care. You're not going to get angry. You're not going to get mad. You're, you're not going to be happy about it. You're just not going to care. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that's true. And so, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> um, but no, I think... I think this is, I, I hadn't realized how applicable this is to what's going on now before we kind of sat down to do this. And, um, yeah, I think I know I have a little, I have more to reflect on and to understand and to, um, I think, cause also we need to, when we see others hearts breaking, I think it's worthwhile to, to try to see what's going on there, you know? For sure. Like if you saw a friend who was, you know, you walk by and they're crying and you're just like, oh, well. And like keep walking mm-hmm. like and you, you're gonna say like what's what's wrong like why are you sad what is and then you would you spend time with them and to kind of ex- not explore that but like p- be with them and to help understand why they're mm-hmm. sad and to you know how you can alleviate it i think too there what's happening right now is just more of a an awareness for how we can respect the personhood for everybody around us and mm-hmm. i think that a lot of us have gone through um, life thinking that we were caring for others, but not realizing how our indifference towards mm-hmm. certain subjects or certain jokes or certain, um, like certain struggles, certain things yeah, that are yeah. going wrong. A total indifference to that has been an act, like an action in itself. Um, and I think that right now we're, we're finally understanding a practical application for how to properly care for everyone in our community. Um, and that's what I've appreciated from this is that it's really shown me the personhood behind like the label, mm-hmm. you know, and I do like, I've thought, and I am very, I've thought of myself as very conscious on, on this subject. I've thought, and I, and I have made good decisions on the subject, but there are a lot that I didn't realize, um, the indifference behind it. Um, and so I've been, I'm thankful that this is coming to light. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we can address this problem and, and move forward well. Yeah. And not, you know, and not be, and not be afraid of those painful moments and those sorrowful moments. And like we talked about all of these, you know, things, this is the sorrow Jesus is experiencing it throughout this, but he, he does it. Mm-hmm. He, I wouldn't say he does it gladly, but he, you know, he does it willingly mm-hmm. because he understands through that suffering, through that heartbreak, through that sorrow, he is able to break through, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and he, 
because he loves us, he's willing to do that. You know, and it's, you know, like <laughs> my terrible analogy of your child spilling boiling water oh on you. Gosh. You know, like if that's honestly, like if that's what it took, if my child were in great danger and someone's like, we're going to pour boiling water on your face, but he's going to uh, be okay, then I would do it, you know? Ouch. Yeah. But I you know, would. I, would. I know I you would. would. I would. Um, <laughs> next time we're making pasta, which is everybody stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> Baby gates going up. <laughs> um, but that, that Jesus did that for us. You know, he went through that discomfort, that pain, that suffering, that sorrow for us. And, you know, sometimes suff- you know, our own suffering is necessary for the benefit of others. And we know that kind of acutely with children that, mm-hmm. you know, you give up a lot. But I think um, we need to understand that more of kind of the wider family and the family of the church. For sure. Well. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, and we we hope after we digest more and you know pray and and um reflect more we do want to talk about this subject or the Mm -hmm. subject of our like current racial injustices we do want to have a um, podcast on that topic and how we're dealing with it and whatnot so stay tuned Um, (laughs) but we really also want to be informed and to be um you know not just speak just to speak Mm -hmm. so um that's why we haven't posted anything yet. And so, but we are hoping to do that. We're soon. hoping to. And, you know, we, <laughs> with everything going on and just our lives have been busy. So, but that is something we'd want to do. And we, we, you know, it, it, talking before, like, what did we want to go with our plan or something different? We felt it was good to kind of let go with our original topic and kind mm-hmm. of let this kind of simmer in our hearts. And then, you know, when we're able to dive into it a little more and a little more thoughtfully, we would. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think God was like, Giving us little uh, hints. Of, <laughs> I mean, he revealed things to me during our conversation just tonight that have been helpful to me. So um, hopefully it was helpful for you guys too. <laughs> yeah. So if you have any questions or feedback or comments or prayer requests or anything you want to um, let us know, please send us an email at halfwaysaintspodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at halfway underscore saints. And you can find us on Facebook as well. So if you have anything, please, we'd love to hear from you. You would. So bye, guys. Have a great week and uh, see you later. And please know that we are praying for you and we ask that you pray for us as well. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.